0: So let's open up our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We do want to remember our sister Lori, and we will minister this message here for her. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I heard a young lady ask a question one time. Can the words good and fight be in the same sentence? (laughs) Fight the good fight of faith. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you and we thank you that this evening we can break the bread of life. Pray that you minister to each one of us as the word of the Lord goes forth. Give us ears to hear what you are saying in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We don't have to do this by a show of hands, but I'm sure all of us have had discussions with people who are of an opposing opinion. And I'm sure we've also had arguments with people from time to time. Arguments a little bit more intense. In our home, we'd call an argument an intense moment of fellowship. <laughs> yes. But if you've ever gone a little bit further, then you know that on the other side of that, there's something with a little more hostility and animosity, and it's called a fight. And you think of a fight, you think of something physical, you certainly think of something that is combative, And I think that is what Paul is trying to evoke in the mind of Timothy as he's writing this to him. Paul was an apostle, an apostle is someone specially commissioned by God to do a particular work. Paul was a minister starting churches and traveling. Timothy was a disciple. He began to travel with Paul when he was younger, and as the scripture tells us, Timothy was left in the city of Ephesus, a place of extreme paganism. Timothy's role is to teach the gospel to the believers that are there who are part of his congregation. So what Paul says to him is that you're in an area where you are going to be under attack. People of other faiths, other convictions are going to say to you that your belief is wrong, that you should stay with the traditional Greco-Roman religions. And here he says to them, you have to fight the good fight of faith. Now, if somebody asks you what is a good fight, then naturally we tend to think of an answer like this. A good fight is the fight you win. It's not a good fight if you lose. If you come home with your clothes all torn and holes all over you and you're bruised and bloodied and everything, that's not a good fight unless the other, guy or the other gal looks worse than you. Right. But I want you to look at this in a different way. Rather than thinking of a good fight as the fight you win, think of it as the right fight. Because it's possible to fight the wrong kind of fight and still end up disqualified or lose. If you go to watch some children wrestle, you know that when they get on the mat, they've already been trained in all of these different positions and holds. But if you get an opposing opponent out there who decides he doesn't want to wrestle but he wants to box... And chances are he will be disqualified because of that. When Paul says fight the good fight of faith, he's under the impression that Timothy has already learned certain principles from him that will cause him to be able to overcome. Faith is a battle. The arena of faith is a battle. The moment you begin to say I'm going to stand on God's word and believe what God's word says, even if all the circumstances of life prove to be or seem to be contrary to what you're believing for, you still must maintain your stance in faith. And your belief has to be rock solid it has to be an impregnable faith it cannot be blown up by somebody else's explosive attitude or something that cannot be destroyed by somebody else's indifference fight the good fight of faith now fights have to the spiritual fight has to be born out of and based on several things the first is it has to be based on courage you have to believe you can win Well, you're already a winner because of what Christ did at Calvary. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. The Bible says if God is for you, then who can be against you? It says that our God, we thank him because he's caused us to triumph in every situation. So if I have the courage to know that I can fight, then I can be bold in my stance against the adversary. The scripture says the adversary is like a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. And when it comes to you, you have to be strong enough to say, no, you may not devour me. So, so your faith then is something that you use to fight not in a physical way, but spiritually. And it has to be based in courage. The moment a child believes they cannot win the fight, the moment a sports athlete believes they cannot win the contest, if they've lost here, it's over with. So a lot of the fight has to do with the mind. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight if you fight courageously and you fight the right way. Well, think of this. You can also be courageous, but at the same time, fight in ignorance. Yeah, a lot of people are bold, but still don't know how to fight. I've seen people do that, too. I tell a a story that that I heard one time of a a gentleman who, when he was in school, he and his friends were out in the park. And there was this one boy who was a bully, and he always liked to bully everybody. And so this one young man, he decided he didn't want to see his friend bullied by this other guy anymore. So he he stood up. He said, you're, you're not going to be bullying him and hitting on him. And if you're going to bother him, you're going to have to go through me to get to him. So the bully went through him. And when he finished with him, then he went back to the guy he was bothering in the first place. So you can be courageous. ignorant about certain things. The Mayans, the ancient Mayan civilization, they didn't know horses until people brought them here. But when the Spanish conquistadors and some of them folks came over here and were traveling down into that area, uh, the Mayans saw them and realized they needed to fight these people and they wanted to defend their territory. territory, But when they looked up, these Spanish uh, people had come with Armor and helmets, so you couldn't see their arms and hands. You couldn't see their, their faces, and, and they had these metal visors coming down. You couldn't see their body, and here they're sitting on these horses, and the Mayans had never seen these before. And the historians say that the Mayans, because they only saw the horses' heads, they thought that the rider and the horse was one. And so they they decided to attack the horses, and that's what they did. They said, we can see the eyes, we can see the ears, and so they used their bows and arrows and spears and whatever else they may have had, and they attacked the horses. But you know what happened? Once the horses fell, then the Spanish men got up, and with all of the weapons they had left, they bludgeoned them and defeated them all because the Mayans didn't understand that the rider and the horse weren't one. They didn't understand that they were individuals. You can be courageous, you can be bold, but you still need to know who the enemy is. And if you're going to fight excessive anger, excessive sorrow, which leads to depression, if if you're going to fight against an adversary who's trying to rob you of your vitality and your health, you have to at least be able to identify the enemy because the doctor is not the enemy just because he's telling you what's wrong. Not flesh and blood, spiritual. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Put the word of God on the problem and stand against the adversary. No, devil, you may not devour me. That's how it has to be. Since you want me to be sad, I'm just going to start laughing and praising God and thinking about all the blessings that have come into my life. You say, what well, if you don't feel? like laughing and smiling it's not about your emotions it's about God's Word lay hold on eternal life so the fight should be based not only in courage but also in wisdom also you've got to be passionate about what you believe you you're you're gonna get in some kind of battle spiritually with the adversary passion is important you can have a purpose and know what your person purpose is, but if you lack passion for what God has purposed you to do, you won't willingly do the things he's called you to do, nor will you enjoy it. There are people all across America who go to work every day to jobs they hate. They don't have passion for it anymore. As long as you have passion for something, you will do it with a kind of excitement that makes it a glorious thing. That's important. So God needs to restore our passion in our Christian life so that as we stand up boldly for the Lord, we can be passionate about what we believe in because passion will cause us to face trials despite how long the valley might seem to be, how difficult, the obstacles, passion. Well, there was Paul here, and he's writing to Timothy. Paul has a lot of things to say because Paul has had rocks thrown at him. Paul has been stoned to the point of death. Paul has been shipwrecked. Paul has been hungry. Paul has passed through a lot of things for the sake of the gospel, and he's still able to tell this young man, fight the good fight of faith. That means I didn't give up. How do you fight back? By getting up over and over again. The righteous man falls seven times, and he gets right back up. My faith says, even though I failed God, and even though I'm flawed and I'm imperfect, I still can get up and fight again. Yeah. So Tuesday doesn't have to be like Monday. Wednesday doesn't have to be like Tuesday, and so on and so on. And with that kind of passion, we'll tell people about what we believe, and we won't ever feel unworthy to witness and share our faith with people. When we were a few weeks ago or last week down at Ministers' Convention, my wife and I were with a good friend of ours named Ruth Ann Garlock, And when she was in Bible school, there was a man in school with her in some of her classes named Jay Tucker. This man was a missionary for two four-year terms in what was then called Zaire, what is now Congo. Mr. Tucker had come home on a furlough. He was going back for his third term. He said goodbye to his friends, and shortly upon arrival to Congo, he was murdered Well country was in the midst of a civil war some drunken revolutionaries came over to the hut where he lived they dragged him out of the hut took him down to the center of the town took a a one liter glass bottle and and just busted full in his face and when he hit the ground then all of them then trampled him and danced over his body until he stopped breathing they then took his body to the Bomogandi River, poured it or, or, or pushed it over the bridge there down into the, the uh, waters there where the alligators devoured his body. There was no body to bury. They devoured it. Well of course this man's life was sown into the earth for these Congolese people he was trying to reach. Some months afterwards, the government wanting to try to reach this area, this tribe that lived in the area, because the Bomagandi River flowed amongst this tribe called the Mumbetu tribe, so the government tried to send a policeman down there to try to quell. The disturbances, now you know it's hard for one man to try to do something like that in a civil war, but this was a big policeman. He went down there. What the people didn't know was that this big policeman had just been won to the Lord three weeks prior, three months prior, by Brother Tucker. So when he got there, he was wondering, how can I reach these people? How can I talk to them about my God and about the gospel? And he found out that the Mumbetu people have a saying "...that he whose blood is shed or spilled in our waters or river will listen to his words." So that policeman thought to himself, OK, let me go talk to the chief. And he asked the chief, is it really true that you guys have a saying that said whoever's blood is shed in your river, that you'll listen to the words of that that man? He said, yes, that's our saying. And that, that's what we hold to. That's our tradition. He said, well, let me tell you in the, in the tribes about this man who, whose blood has been shed in your river. He's dead now. He's no longer with us. But he gave me his words and I can give his words to you. And so that is exactly what this policeman did. And where there had been no churches, because famed missionaries like C.T. Studd and others had gone to the Mumbetu tribe and tried to reach them and were unable to, uh, to do anything. Now there are numerous churches because someone told about the dead man's words. Now think about us telling about the words of Christ. Someone that died. Someone that's resurrected. And other people may not know the story about his life, but we take the time to share that with us. This man went to Africa, and in his third term, he died that's passion somebody's life given for the the cause of the gospel. When we think about our own lives, we have to ask the question. Am I willing to lay my life down? The scripture says greater love has no man than this, than he that would lay his life down for his friends. Would you be willing to die for me? Would I be willing to die for you? Would you be willing to die for your neighbor? That's Christian love. That's Christianity. So if we're going to fight the good fight of faith, this fight has to be based on passion. But also, it certainly has to be based on, on conviction. Now convictions are powerful because a conviction is an internal belief that you have that you that governs your life. It's like a moral compass, you know, and it it brings you back center north no matter what direction you might be. And God becomes that compass inside of your heart when Jesus becomes the savior of your life. No matter what way people try to spin you in this world, it always comes back to center north. I'm pressing my way towards heaven and I want to get close to God. This is the fight of faith. Now, Paul says, lay hold on eternal life. That means we have a conviction in our heart that when we pass from this life, we go into an eternity with God. Everyone has an eternity. It's either an eternity with God in heaven or an eternity in hell. That's what the Bible teaches. All of us have an unending, uncreated existence that we are going to enjoy or despise when we draw our last breath and it's all determined by the decisions we make right now. These are convictions that we have. But There are some convictions you have in this world that you have to hold to even when other people are fighting against you and they say compromise. them. I've met some people who compromise their convictions, their virtues, their values. Later on they feel bad about it. But compromise is not something you want to have. You probably probably very familiar with the story of Eric Liddell, some people called him Little, the Scotsman who they say was in his era the fastest runner of the day. This man had won all kinds of races and they made a movie in the 80s based on his life called Chariots of Fire which won all kinds of awards. And this man, Eric, he became a coach, and he had a number of students, but the one conviction of his heart was that Sunday was the Lord's Day, so he would not allow the young people to run or race on Sunday. He wouldn't enter them into competitions, and certainly he himself never would run on Sunday. That was a conviction he had. This man was so good and so fast that he made his way to the 1924 Olympics over in Paris, and sure enough, when he got there... When they were going over the schedules, he found out that they had put the 100-meter race in which he was supposed to be entered, they put it on a Sunday. And he had to explain to the coach, he says, Coach, I I can't race on Sunday. The coach said, well, Eric, I mean, this is an international competition. People have come from all over the world, all around the world. The Olympics do not happen all the time. It's just a one-time deal. You can just go ahead and. I mean, just set aside that conviction just for this one time. He said, Coach, I can't do that. I wouldn't run on Sundays. I've trained my young people, my kids, that they can't run on Sundays, and shouldn't run on Sundays. I wouldn't enter them into contests. This will make me look like a hypocrite against everything I have stood for at this time. The coach said, let me talk to the officials of the Olympics and see if they'll make some kind of alteration in the schedule. The official said, absolutely not. We're not changing all of this just for one man. Well, Mr. Liddell, he, he dropped out of the 100-meter race. The Coach came to him later and said, you know, Eric, since, since you're here, I mean, you, you ought to run, you're fast. I said, you, you, ever, you ever thought about the 400-meter race? And he said, well, uh, not, not so much, but if you enter me, I'll, I'll certainly do it. And, of course, you know if, if you're training for a 100-meter race, then suddenly you've got to get ready for a 400 meter race. The preparation is totally different. The respiratory discipline is different. The pace you have to set for yourself because your metabolism is different because of how you have built your body through the previous months of your training. and so. He got ready to run that 400-meter race, got down in the starting blocks, and there was an American runner next to him, and that American runner handed him a slip of paper because he was a devout Christian too. And on that paper it said, Them who honor me, them I will honor. And when they fired the starting gun, when Eric took off running, he ran right into history, ran the fastest time that had been recorded in the 400 meters and set a record that lasted for decades after he was done with his race career. How did his life end? He went as a missionary to China and died in a Japanese intern camp. This man gave his life for the cause of God, and it was a conviction that he wouldn't even compromise on foreign soil. This man said, fight the good fight of faith. These people I've spoken to you about, two of them fought the right fight of faith. Historically, the Mayans misunderstood the fight of faith. How are we fighting? And how are we laying hold of eternal life? Scripture says we've been called unto eternal life. And it says we professed a good profession among many witnesses. That means what has come forth from your lips about what you believe. Ensure that your life confirms and conforms to your speech. If You say you're a Christian. Be a Christian. If you say you love the Lord, that your life demonstrate that you love the Lord. But whatever you do, keep on fighting. Don't let the devil walk all over you. You remember the old Blondie cartoons used to come in the newspaper and Blondie'd be on the he'd be on the beach and then here come this big hairy chested man come walking by and he's got muscles on top of his muscles and then he kicks the sand in Blondie's face and Blondie couldn't do anything about it. He just, you know, just didn't want he didn't want to get up and have to do anything in that little cartoon. We don't want to be like that. I mean that's all make believe, but as a Christian, our spiritual warfare is real. Our spiritual warfare is, is uh, harsh, and the environment, it can be tough sometimes. I mean, think about it. If the devil, if, if all the devil has to do to create a little bit of havoc in your life by, by, uh, by causing something to go wrong, he'll try to make something go wrong every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one day the kids will be out in the street, and they'll be playing stickball or some kind of baseball, and then sure enough, there'll be a rock that goes right through your glass devil knows that's going to cause you a problem you, you better believe it the next day you'll be out there cutting your grass and as you as you're mowing the lawn then then, then, then the handle all of a sudden just break yeah and, and then and then pretty soon a couple a couple of days later you'll be going down the road and then, and then all of a sudden you'll look up and then you'll, you'll notice the tire it's gone flat yeah. and, and then after that then the adversary he'll come along he'll try to create some kind of other difficulty and and it just seems like it's piling up on top of you What do you do then? Keep fighting. Get your face back in the book. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Begin to rehearse, recite, reread the word of God. Cause your heart to grow and be enlarged with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let the devil know, no, you may not devour me. I'm going to stand on God's word. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. Isn't it good to be a Christian? I wouldn't want to do anything other than serve God out of the purity of my heart. There's nobody like him, and he's a wonderful, wonderful Savior. That's all I had on my heart today, wanted to share. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's stand. Oh, my. Blessed be the name of the Lord. doesn't take a long time to share what God gives sometimes, you know. But if you feel like you're in a battle today or you're in a fight today... We can always pray with you, but for those in our fellowship that we know are caught up in a a storm of trouble and difficulty and trial and tribulation, why don't we stand in the gap for them this evening? The Bible says there was a woman that came to Jesus. She had a daughter grievously vexed of the devil. She went to the Lord and the Lord told her, you can go home now. She's healed. That means that the infirmed was not there physically, but yet the Lord was there to minister. And the scripture said, wherever two or three are gathered in in, uh, his name, he's there in the midst of them. So we qualify without a doubt. So we can pray for those that are absent today with the expectation that deliverance will be manifested. So we want to remember Tina, certainly. We want to remember Lori. Let's touch and agree in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you said whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, Father, we want to take the time now to pray for two of our fellow believers that are passing through a difficult time right now. And Lord, we thank you for your power going into the room or vehicle or bed, wherever they are. And we thank you for driving out sorrow and pain in the name of Jesus. Father, we plead the blood. We know that the blood is against the adversary. We know that you gave your son that he could bear our griefs and our sorrows, our sicknesses and our infirmities. So we praise you right now for liberty and freedom and deliverance for the two of them Right now, Lord. Father, we thank you that you've given us power and authority. And so, Satan, we take authority over you now. We command you to leave both of them, to depart from them. Take all of your symptoms and go away. The blood of Jesus Christ is against you, and the community of believers is against you in Jesus' name. Oh, God, we worship you. Father, we thank you. Lord, we love you. And we honor you, God, that your word is true. Oh, God, we pray, may your wisdom and grace and knowledge come to every person with whom we come in contact in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, 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 amen.